Luther was crankier than the Grinch. We skip Christmas and go bask in the Caribbean sun. Is this against the law? A lot of the neighbors are pretty upset. Until the neighborhood kids we got him. turned his world upside down. Relax, Luther. We have 12 hours, so we're going to perform a little Christmas miracle. I need a little help. Are you getting the ham? You get the treat. Tim Allen, Jamie Lee Curtis. I was wrong about you. Christmas with the Cranks. He'll ask me about this podcast and he'll go, are you still doing the, the podcast with your sister? And then he'll pause for a second and he will say a line from the movie Jack and Jill. He will go, you playing Twister with your sister? <laughs> and I, <laughs> every time he does this and I wish he would start doing the Al Pacino scene from Jack and Jill because I legitimate, that that is very funny to me. I do remember you telling me about him saying the Twister with your sister thing, but right. I want to know why he's just asking and not listening. A uh, little insulted, Mike. If you ever hear this, and you um, will never hear it. We don't play Twister for the record because one time we were playing Twister um, with our other brother and our dad, and our dad fell and almost broke my ankle. I don't remember this. I do. Okay, we no. haven't played Twister since. You're so petty. That was only like maybe five years ago. You're so petty. We're gonna have to change your first name to Tom. All right. Um, I'm trying to blow past I just that joke got as that. fast I as just possible. got it. I was really no, delayed. I almost wish you didn't get it. Oh, well, that just would have been sad on my part. I think it's sad on your part either way because you're so petty. You might as well be named Tom. I'm pretty petty. Yeah. I'm pretty petty. I put a um, petty in my pocket and in a little time, that petty in my pocket. Do you remember that performance? Oh, I can, Molly, of that course. That is the greatest. Do I remember David Hyde Pierce performing Penny in My Pocket at the Tonys? Honestly, that might have to be its own episode because. I want to recreate that performance on stage. Oh, we Danny, need to I don't even know if you can because you would do too much. Like the beauty of that performance. I can't remain as still. Is that he was completely still. Imagine this, folks, for those of you who don't know. It's the Tony Awards, um, a pretty big deal. Hmm. You know, usually have these big performances, Performances, um, Neil Patrick Harris' S style, and uh, our buddy comes out in a suit in front of a blank curtain and is just standing there alone, sing-talking this song. And uh, you're expecting the curtain to open the whole time and reveal a set or more dancers or something, and it never happens. He just sings about this penny in his pocket and... Uh, it's the funniest thing that we've ever witnessed, but it was beautifully done. It was, I but, loved uh, it so, it, I loved it so much. It, I just started cackling when I watched it because it was like, what is this? Every other show sends a hundred dancers and like they're doing their big cast number. And then Hello Dolly just sends fucking the guy from Frasier out in Who's front of a Who's so curtain. old at this point, like. Well, hold on. We're going to have to fight about how old David Hyde Pierce is. I think he's aging very well. Molly, in case you don't remember, he's in makeup. Like, he's no, in a fake mustache. I understand that. But I'm, what I mean is it's like, it's not like you had this young, really good looking man out there. It was like a man who's old and then dressed to be even older, just standing in front of a curtain. I'm very attracted to David Hyde Pierce, but we don't have to get into that right now, Molly. Um, no, because, uh, Danny, this is a podcast. What's the name of the podcast, Molly? The podcast name is actually The Pants Are Too Tight. I think that might be the best name for a podcast ever. I think you might be right. Danny. I may be crazy. But it just might be a lunatic that the audience is looking for. Turn out the lights and don't try to save us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Pants Are Too Tight. 
It's a show about the little things. Little things that bother you. Little things that perturb you. Little things that live in the back of your brain and keep you awake at night. Little things that burrow into your gut like a tapeworm. And all of a sudden, you're losing weight. And you're like, well, it's great to finally lose the weight. The doctor keeps telling me I got to keep it off. But then all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute. I'm losing too much weight. Oh, no. The tapeworm. <laughs> the pants are too tight. Yeah, that's us. Um, We're the tapeworm festering in your bowels. Beware. The pants are too tight. Horrifying. It's times like this I wish our show was broadcast in stereo so I could have sort of panned from left to right. That takes up too much too, too much, much memory. memory. Too much for memory our for our subscription on Pinecast. For our podcast hosting service. Yeah. Oh, because we don't want to upgrade to the next tier. That would be so hard. <laughs> to find the button on the website that does that I mean, and then pay the extra ten dollars. It would be so hard to find that extra money, I think is Well. Danny. Where are those ten dollars? They seem so hard to find. So, as we mentioned in our last episode, we we've been we were gone for a while because of the election. But then, even though we just released that episode, we were actually gone for a while from recording yeah, since then because, yeah. I mean, Thanksgiving coma. Quite frankly, oh my God, stop! Stress. You sound like you're trying to explain to your boss why you didn't turn in your report sometime. Uh, Thanksgiving coma. Sorry if I'm preparing for tomorrow. I'm trying to kill two birds with Family one stone. Family emergency. Capital Records. Capital Records. I don't know. Oh. Um, here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Right down Santa Claus. Lane. Molly, do you so hear wait, that? Your, I'm sorry. Yeah, what? Your mustache is creating a shadow on your lower lip. Yes. It looks like you have a giant bruise there. It's really funny. I got really worried that something happened to you in the last minute and I didn't notice, but it's when just When I excuse myself to use the bathroom, I... Encountered a rather dangerous fellow, a ruffian, in the men's room in our home. We have a men's room in our Wouldn't home. it be great if we had like pointlessly gender segregated bathrooms in our house? It would be really unprogressive of us. It would be not only unprogressive of us, but pointless of us because we've only got the, the two and a half bath. <laughs> so <laughs> it's the average family, right? Yeah, one point two point five children. One of each. <laughs> um, Wonderful. Anyway, go back to your bit. Your bit I, that I interrupted. Mm? Oh, whatever the bit was, it probably wasn't going to be that funny. Well, you said Santa Claus was coming. Oh, uh, I was going to ask if you heard that, Molly. Oh, I did hear that. Guess what? That means that good old St. Nicholas is coming down the pipe. Father Christmas. Papa Gijo. It's Topo Gijo. <gasps> what? I always thought it was Popo. No, he's a puppet from the Ed Sullivan show. <gasps> oh, my God. So I didn't know that. Yeah. You're my moving my your Alexis like, is yeah. coming out. You're I was watching like Shit's Creek, Creek right before this. Yeah. But um, no, like I didn't know that because I thought it was like Popo, like as in Papa, because he keeps saying like yeah. Father Christmas and things like that. And then like that Gijo was like a... Yeah. Uh, I'm so embarrassed. Topo I put Gijo. so much energy into it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's Christmas time, baby. Rawr. Happy first day of Crema. Crema? Crema. Oh, well, happy first day of Crema to you. I'm very excited for good old Santa Claus to come to town, Molly, and I'll tell you why. Why? I asked. Oh. For a brand new Schwinn bicycle. Are we going to reveal on the podcast what we got each other for Christmas? Oh, Christmas? that's... <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll want to know. That's fun. Yeah, I think our listeners, our many listeners out there in the world, will love to know what we got each other Considering for Considering most of them are our friends, I think I they could, would. I could probably tell what i got my friend mike for christmas and he would never hear it <laughs> that'll be a real test we should say what we're gonna get everyone for christmas and we then should, we'll know if they listen we should make a list of all the people that we figure don't listen to the show 
Wait, everyone. Everyone. I think only like 10 people listen to this podcast. How dare you? I keep telling you the numbers and you know that's not it. Right. We have high ratings. And rye hatings. Um, yeah, so it's Christmas time, so you are going to be getting some Christmas-themed episodes, because we're big Christmas fans, right? No, oh, uh, Jew, Jewish. Jewish. A- and Hanukkah, I'm sorry. Jewish. We're- Danny, recently, last year, I believe, I finally got, got our family a menorah, because our family on our mother's side is Jewish, and our mom always talks about how she's Jewish, and but we never grew up with that religion in our house, which, to be fair, at this point, a lot of Jewish people don't grow up with Judaism in their house, yeah. but... Uh, culturally, we are Jewish. Our mother is Jewish. Therefore, according to tradition, we are Jewish. And I don't want to seem like I'm not proud of that because I am proud of that heritage. So I says to myself, I says, Danny, go and get yourself a brand new menorah. And it was a very nice, like, metal kind of brass yeah, menorah. Like a really... nice menorah. But we've had a bitch of a time trying to find the right candles for it. We had to buy those emergency candles for a blackout because the holes for the candles are so much bigger than these modern menorahs, the shrinking of American uh, <laughs> consumers. <laughs> No, but it's you know it's like fun size candy. Like all the menorahs now yeah. have these little little bish candles, little bish candle holes. Yeah. And we wanted big boy candle holes, not little bish holes. Yeah, it's just like a big menorah, and they I, maybe we just aren't going to like. It's kind of like I think it might be Jewish an antique. Shops or I something. did not buy it. I didn't buy it from like Target. Like it was a nice. Yeah. I think it might be sort of older, and that might be why the candles are expected to be so much bigger. So I don't really identify very much with the the, the Hanukkah holiday because sure. I, I don't know. You know en- enough about it. Watch the Rugrats frankly. episode. But I, I'm sorry. What was that word? Frankly. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, frankly, but um, I, I always, as a, a Christian myself, was quite annoyed at the fact in CCD that um, they that I couldn't understand why we don't as Christians celebrate Hanukkah. And my argument was that if Jesus was alive and he was Jewish, he would celebrate Hanukkah. So like, why don't we? Because I wasn't aware, you know, of the 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 plot behind holidays at that time and, and why they are all placed in December. Like I didn't know the, the evilness behind that in fourth grade, but yeah. um, I do now. Um, but I've always wanted to celebrate Hanukkah, not just because like most people of the eight days of presence, but because I did feel it was counterintuitive for a Christian to not celebrate a miracle, you know? Right, right. right? Okay. Well, Molly's disgusting preaching aside, Jesus Christ, Molly, it's a family show. This is a public funded this podcast. Is, we can't talk about religion. We can talk about it. I wasn't preaching. I wasn't saying you all have to go out there and, and, and praise Jeebus. Mm, but it sounds like you're about to. Well, I'll talk about consumerism then. I also just love Christmas. <laughs> I know that a lot of people right now out there are very, you know, the, this up and coming generation is very like anti Santa, anti Christmas. And I. What? Yeah, I try to be. What are you, fucking Fox News Molly? No, and I don't mean in like they're attacking it kind of a way, but people really. The war on. Question, you know, th- you know, the, the, there's a lot of questions around Christmas and its roots. And I would just like to say that Christmas is a beautiful thing because. It's a season. It's a whole season yeah. long, and yeah. other holidays aren't like that in the same way. I think it's about time someone finally defended Christmas. Because yeah, I people do. just don't stand up. No, enough like for Christmas the is persecuted. Six billion dollar boost to the economy. Can't even say it. Love Christmas. I really do. Christmas is easily my favorite that. time of year. That's you. You know what's psychotic, Danny? Um, us. Yes. As a child. Yes. No, when on. people would ask my favorite holiday, do you know what I'd say? Arbor Day. No, not that. M- crazy. My birthday. Valentine's Day. Oh wow! And it was—it was my favorite holiday. Yeah. Because I'm a crazy person. 
mom used to sometimes get us gift for like gifts for Valentine's Day. Like yeah. she'd give you like a little treat, like a little DVD or something. We got gri- we got gifts for pretty much probably every holiday. I think. Happy Arbor Day! I already used Arbor Day. I should have yeah. gone for um, Earth Day. Happy! Oh no! Isn't that's it weird that they're like right there together? It sh- they should. That be would separated. be its own episode if I wanted to talk about it. But that yeah. one makes me I can't talk. If about I that. had enough stuff to say about Arbor Day, I'd say it. But I don't. Oh, someone's making brownies upstairs, and it smells so good. The only other person in this home is our mother. Oh, I don't know. Ryan could have come home. Oh, our brother? Yeah. Bubs? He's getting his wisdom teeth out tomorrow. Oh, boy. I can't wait to get my wisdom teeth out. I can't wait to laugh at him. And I'm going to be high <laughs> as a kite by then. That's William Shatner's no. performance you know of Rocket Man. I, listen, Rocket Man. I'm a rock. I got my wisdom teeth taken out. This is what we're going to talk about. Fuck today's topic. Yeah. Just kidding. I really want to talk about that. But a a tangent, if you will. A little fucking warning to all the people out there who are already afraid of the dentist. This is for you, okay? Um, I got my wisdom teeth removed in August of 2015, right before going to college. And um, after they, first of all, the laughing gas did not work on me. There was no laughter. There was no goofiness. I was fine. And I was like, I'm pretty sure this isn't working. And the dentist was like, you're fine. And I was like, um, okay. And I was like, I kind of feel like I'm going to pass out. Not that I'm feeling giddy. And he was like, you're probably fine. And I was like, okay. And then the dude goes to pull my lower right wisdom tooth out. And I'm like, uh, I can feel that. And he's like, are you sure you probably can't? And you know what his solution was? To rip the tooth out yeah. to see if I could feel it. And I screamed. And he was like, oh, I guess you can feel that. And they permanently damaged my nerves. Yeah. And to this day, I don't have feeling in the right side of my tongue. Except for the shooting pain that will occasionally come yeah. if I... You know, talk too long or I think you might do some lick exercises. No, you know why? Because here's the thing. When you sign, that's like one of the risks is like, you know, yeah. your micro surgery. And here's the thing. Even if I could have sued, I waited too long because I'm an idiot. and I don't follow the dentist instructions. And they said, whatever you do, don't eat for X amount of time after this. But you also couldn't eat for X amount of time before it. So I was fucking starving. And I couldn't wait for the Novocaine to wear off because they had to give me three extra shots of Novocaine because I wasn't numb when they pulled my tooth out. And I was like, I can't wait anymore. I'm going to drink this hot soup. So I had thought I just severely burned my tongue. And then when it didn't go away for like six months, I went back. And they, you know what they said to me, folks? What did they say to you? Folks at home. He said to me, ah, well, I'm sorry, but uh, at least you got funky boots. And, and lo- funky, funky bo- boots. I was, listen, guys, I was wearing my motherfucking Uggs. Nothing special. Nothing, nothing funky. funky. Just regular old, I think they were gray, actually. Gray fucking boots. Grugs. You can't feel your tongue. You get a shooting pain if a goldfish gets under your tongue for a second in your mouth. But at least you got funky boots. Fuck you, oral surgeon. I hate you. You are my pet peeve. And this is a warning to everyone who's getting their wisdom teeth out. If you don't think your mouth is numb, do not let them just pull the damn tooth. Thank you. Thank you. I need to get that off my chest. Four more years. 
No. Um, I now have a dentist that I love. Oh, yeah. Molly is into her dentist. I'm in love with him. And I oh, I fell in so, love with a dentist. I get to see him tomorrow. I'll be so embarrassed yeah. if he ever listens to the podcast and finds Molly, out. why is Dr. Beep, beep, beep going to listen to our podcast? He's so sexy. He has so much other stuff to do. Can I tell you something? Molly and I go to the same dentist. In fact, <laughs> Molly, our brother Ryan, and our dear friend Becky, the Muppet hater, all go to the same dentist, mm-hmm. right? So I don't want to be that guy. But... um. <laughs> They all get to see sexy dentists. You know who I always get? I always make the appointment with sexy dentists because they all speak so highly of this beautiful sculpted man who makes their mouths feel good. And then I always go into the same dentist saying, hi, I'm here for my appointment with Dr. Sexy Muffin. And you know what I always get? Some fucking jackass who is not Dr. Sexy Muffin. I get like Dr. Bobby and Dr. Bobby comes in and he's just like, hi there, young man. I'm going to just sort of jostle around inside your mouth with my gloved hand and not use any of the tools. And so then I'm sitting there thinking about, you know, and outside the door, sometimes I'll catch a peek of the guy and I'm like, whoa. (laughs) And then but then I'm in the chair with some middle aged wino going through my mouth. God knows what he's doing to my gums. And I honest to God, I'm so jealous. Like, I mean, you should be. So I had like a real fear of the dentist. Yeah. And then I went to I switched dentists and this man came in the room and my anxiety, I literally felt it melt away. And the first thought in my head was, this man could do whatever he wants to my mouth. I <laughs> This is probably like sixteen-year-old me. I was in love with this dentist, and it's it's so bad that like I fangirl over the dentist. It's not even just like I think he's attractive. It's like I can't speak to the dentist to the point where I'm so aware of the infatuation that like when I talk to him, if I get the courage to say anything, it feels like I'm flirting, even though I'm not. Yeah. So I have this thing where I really love when the dentist lays you back in the chair because it like releases the pressure on my lower back and it feels great. So one of the last times I was there, I said to him like, oh man, like I really gotta get one of these chairs for my house because that just feels so good on my lower back. And I started blushing and I was like, I can't believe I just said that <laughs> to my dentist as though I had said anything. Molly. Like the man did not blink when I said this, yeah. but I get to see him tomorrow. 182 blink short of a band. Molly, I can't believe, <laughs> I can't believe how in your own head you are about sexy dentists. I love him. Yeah. Here's a message to all dentists. If we want to cure this phobia we all have of the dentist, dentist, dabs, dentists always be sexy. Yeah. Dentists, comma, always be sexy. Exclamation point. It's a command. It's a mandate from the people. It's a mandate from the people. It works. I've gotten multiple people to go. Like we have bad teeth. Yeah. We keep going. Yeah, we're British. Yeah. Um, And here's the thing about being sexy. If you are not born with the genetics to be a sexy man, you just... And by the way, this only applies to male dentists. We don't want to objectify female medical professionals, obviously. This goes without saying that this only applies to the male dentists out there. All the female dentists, you keep doing what you're doing. No one's going to ogle you. I'm so sorry that female health professionals are looked at. You can't... uh, Like, not that it's not wrong, because it is to ogle at your dentist. I do it in a very discreet way. Like I said, this man definitely doesn't know yeah i just am you're not harassing but let me be clear part of the attraction is not just the looks it is the skill because what he it does not hurt when he ever he works my mouth like i'm maintaining that he's the world's worst dentist no it's like like on 30 rock where everyone pretends john ham is smart 
and is a good yeah. doctor even though he's an he's idiot. Just well, because I don't think that because his character, not the he real really does not. He's a great dentist, and yeah. I know we're not saying the name, so it's not like I could drum up business for him. But I, when I the last time I was there, a different dentist was there, and because yeah. he's really busy, so he doesn't do regular fillings mm. anymore. Um, and I had this so other dentist. I was a wreck. I was like crying in the chair. I was yeah. literally shaking. The chair was moving because I couldn't stop shaking. I was so afraid of the dentist. And uh, the guy started like doing my fillings. And I was like, just so you know, I have this injury from my wisdom teeth. And they were like, oh, like no wonder you're afraid of the dentist. And I was like, yeah. yeah. And it hurt so badly. I was like on the verge of tears. And then he gave me extra Novocaine and like, it still hurt. And I was like, my God. And like my mouth, that was like a month ago. And my mouth is still like all fucked up from where he injected the Novocaine. Like it all hurts. Ooh. I got cuts. Like I, I can only see the sexy dentist because that man is the only one with the skill. To pay only the one with the skill. He can only, only want to take care of this mouth. Right. Oy. Oy. Ayo. Right. Well, anyway. Ayo Scott, the film critic for the New York Times, who I frequently disagree with. <laughs> Oh, dentists. You know, Molly, when I was younger, just a bad little kid, my mama noticed funny things I did, yeah. uh, like shooting puppies with a BB gun. I'd poison guppies, and when I was done, I'd find a pussycat and bash in its head. That's what my mama said. She said, my boy, someday you'll find a way to make your natural tendencies pay. You'll be a dentist. Oh, no, I just got to go watch that. I'm sorry. Yeah. She said, I got, my boy, I think I got, someday. I got another one for you. Okay, Danny? Yeah. All I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Ah, my, my two, two front, front teeth. teeth. My two front teeth. Christmas, baby. What, what? Is there any reason why all you would want for Christmas is your two front teeth, two front teeth, two front teeth, two front teeth? I don't know what the purpose in that so song I is. So I can wish you Merry Christmas. Ah. That's the rest of the chorus. I was going to say, the reason I'd want my two front yeah. teeth is that like I could honestly use some new ones. I started writing a Christmas song this morning. Because I couldn't sleep. Hmm. And uh, this is like two or three in the morning. And it was pretty great. But now that I've had sleep, maybe it's a terrible <laughs> song. I don't know. I'll, I'll, That's a mood. I'll have to finish it sometime. Maybe I'll put it at the end of one of these episodes as like a Danny's oh, a Musician. Fun. Yeah, instead of our usual fade like, out. So cute. Like when I did that cover of the Cheeseburger song, but I just sang over a karaoke track. No, that was a fun time. Because he loves you, Cheeseburger, with all mm -hmm. his heart. And there ain't nothing gonna tear you two apart. So as we get ready for this Christmas and holiday season, yeah. we got a lot of great songs to listen to, a lot of great movies to watch. Um, yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about uh, some of the uh, antics of the, this month coming up. Yeah. Uh, I, we're going to start with yeah. the big one. The biggest one of all. The Christmas movie that Molly and I watch every single year without fail. Without fail. This might be the only one, because I always talk about like, well, Home Alone is my my favorite, you know? Yeah. I love the Grinch, all the versions of the Grinch. Well, two of the three yeah. versions of the Grinch. Uh, not including the book, which is obviously We're not going to tell you which one. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Take your pick, because I don't want to badmouth any of my Grinches out there. Um, um, anyway, so, you know, I talk about things like Die Hard, which, you know, people are always like, Die Hard, Christmas movie. <laughs> Um, go on. Uh, Die Hard. Yeah, I, I, you know, I like to watch Die Hard or whatever the fuck, mm -hmm. fellas. There's only one Christmas movie that I truly have not missed a single year of watching. That is Chris Columbus's masterpiece, 2004's Christmas with the Cranks. Woo, woo, <laughs> crank. Um, crank it up. Christmas with the Cranks. We had to start with this um, because. 
as much joy as this season brings yeah. and as much joy as this movie brings, I do think of the movies, this brings me the most anger. I am left yeah. furious after watching this film, but also filled with glee. It's a yeah. really complicated feeling. And that's what we're going to talk about it for you folks today. Mm. I don't. Do you know when you first saw the movie, Danny? No, I assume it would be relatively shortly after it came out. We're talking, it probably would have been like 2006, 2007, because I believe we were at our aunt, or I was at my Aunt Lori's house maybe the first time I watched it. So I was at my Aunt Lori's house the first mm. time I watched it, but I know you weren't with me when no, I did. We because, were making cookies separately. So let me tell you a little bit about Christmas at the Cranks for those of you who don't know. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis and yeah. Tim Allen. Oh, yeah, it does. As a couple that always has. Like, they go all out for Christmas. Yeah, Luther and Nora Crank. Yeah, they go all out. What are you doing? I'm doing Luther and Nora Crank. Creep me out, man. But it's me, Geraldine, the world's number one fan of Christmas with the Cranks. <laughs> um, I read the original book, <laughs> Skipping Christmas by Hyun Grisham. That is a fact. Um, or is it by Hyun Peterson? <laughs> Um, but Nora Crank and Luther Crank, they, they always are really big into Christmas. And then one year, their daughter Blair goes off to like join the Peace Corps or whatever, and they decide that they're going to skip Christmas, save all the money they usually spend because they spend like thousands of dollars on Christmas and go on a cruise instead. And when I first saw this movie, I was at my aunt's house and I said to my aunt, like, oh my God, you remind me so much of Nora Crank, which I meant as a loving compliment. And she took it as a huge blow. And oh. she was so hurt that she then asked her children and they were like, oh yeah, like that's you. Because oh. my aunt is super into Christmas. She loves Christmas. She, we always baked Christmas cookies with her. Her whole house is like super decked out. She's got two Christmas trees. Yeah, she's the only person I know who has two separate full-size Christmas trees. Oh, I love it. It's year. great. And I meant it as a good thing. And I thought she just kind of physically looked a little like Jamie Lee Curtis. Which is such a compliment because Jamie Lee Curtis is, as we have talked about, it's weird that this podcast only has like 21 episodes so far. And in I'd say half of them we talk about how beautiful Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis, Curtis is. As well it's because it's that out. relevant. Did I, I know I told you about this but I didn't tell the listeners yet. Today Jamie Lee Curtis on Instagram posted a photo in recognition of like World AIDS Day of her at the like AIDS march back in like 91 I think with mm -hmm. her and her daughter who at the time was a little girl and Jamie Lee Curtis's outfit to the AIDS march was I shit you not sort of two red ribbons holding up each breast like it was sort of like an X shape and that was the whole top and I, the first photo is just her standing there in this incredibly revealing outfit. And then the second one is her and her daughter together with like the number for like their, their you know, like runner number, blah, 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 on the AIDS march. And I was like, oh, okay, this is about something. You weren't just like, guys, look at my, look at my rocking body. Which I wouldn't blame her if she was. No. She's gorgeous. She's gorgeous. Was, is, and always yeah. will be. When Jamie Lee Curtis is 90 and on her deathbed, she's going to be the most beautiful old person. Oh, yeah. And we're all going to be okay with sort of her bodily functions starting to go because she sold Activia for so long. Um, We'd be like, at least she's healthy. But I'm going to cry. I can't even talk about that. See, but here's the weird that. thing. I just recently found out that her husband, Christopher Guest, is like almost 10 years older than her. And oh. I was like, oh, that's odd. I didn't. I didn't know that about them, but I did know she was married to Christopher Guest. And I believe it. there's one movie she's in where there's a photo of him. And I don't think it's H2O, but there's there's one movie where she talked about her husband and there's a photo of him in the movie. Mm -hmm. But the two of them have always talked about they never wanted to like do a movie together because, oh. you know, you separate your life from Because they're work. not Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. Doing a Christmas movie oh, together. Kurt. Goldie. The love of my life. Oh, Goldie. I I've love got you. a lot of loves. Um, Give a little Anyway. Love. 
I told my aunt that she reminded me of her. Her children confirmed it, and she threw out all of her Christmas sweaters the next oh, day. Oh, no. And I felt horrible because I meant it as a good thing, but because Jamie Lee Curtis had the sweater, I think it was like a weird, like, oh, my God, like glass-shattering moment for her, which it really wasn't meant to be. She's my inspiration for my love of Christmas, really. Um Anyway, Christmas with the Cranks. Besides so that was being, the first time I saw it was with her. Yeah, besides being a great tool for bullying, I enjoy the film almost entirely because of Jamie Lee. She is great. She carries that movie. And, you know, it's interesting that she's in the film and so is uh, Tim Allen. Yeah, because in real life, I would never see them as a couple. No, but what's interesting is that he's also frequently paired alongside Sigourney Weaver. And by frequently, I mean, I think twice they've done a movie together. Uh, he's often paired alongside Sigourney Weaver. And like, Jamie Lee Curtis and Sigourney Weaver have always been a similar type to me, especially after seeing You Again, where the two of them have that fight. Yeah, that's and the it, only oh. reason I have them associated. Otherwise, I like... I don't know. So I, I'm gonna. You guys are gonna learn this. I don't really know Sigourney Weaver. I didn't really know of her until Finding Dory. You've seen the goddamn Ghostbusters. Don't act like a hack. But I didn't know that was Sigourney Weaver. Okay, well she's she's a very popular actress. She's in a million things, Molly. We're talking Sigourney. I look. I said it was embarrassing. Like yeah, I'm just, yeah. just letting the people know. So I don't have that strong association between them. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Check yourself before you. Check yourself. <laughs> Listen, my favorite Couldn't actors on run. the planet are as follows. Jamie Lee Curtis, Sigourney Weaver, J.K. Simmons. Um, oh, Viola Davis. She might actually be above J.K. Simmons. But the two of them are basically neck and neck. And I'm not saying neck and neck because J.K. Simmons has famously kind of a turtleneck. I'm just pointing that out. And when I say turtleneck, I mean the neck of a Do turtle. Do this a list? Yeah. Bafo box office. Bafo box office. Could you imagine? How, oh, and Stanley Tucci. Stanley oh, Tucci's on yeah. the list. He is. He's got to be above J.K. Simmons. But this is the thing: is that I love J.K. Simmons so much. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna organize the list like this. Jamie Lee Curtis, number one with a bullet mm -hmm. every time. <laughs> pound for pound, no one is better than Jamie Lee Curtis. I would almost. I probably would agree with that. Here's the thing: is that I when I said that sentence, I was like, uh oh, do I mean that? And then I thought about it, and I was like. Jamie Lee Curtis fits in perfectly in like Oscar winning dramas. She she fits in beautifully in like serious films. Yeah, but she's the comedic genius. But she is a comedic genius. And she somehow plays the most loving, sweet person and like the cut you kill you bitch. She is when I say you know that I've talked about it before. My favorite And she sold yogurt. Yes. I've talked Sorry. about it before. My favorite meme ever is um <laughs> Uh, Reese Witherspoon could have made Lincoln work, but Daniel Day-Lewis couldn't have made Legally Blonde work. Right. That's my favorite tweet I've ever seen in my life. I genuinely feel that way about Jamie Lee Curtis and just about any dramatic male actor. Like, if you put Jamie Lee Curtis in There Will Be Blood, I would somehow buy her as, like, a ruthless kind of oil man coming into town and, yeah. and fucking people up and beating the shit out of people. But... If Daniel Day-Lewis tried to sell me Activia, I never would have remembered those commercials. Yeah, but never. I will say this, though. I, every time Jamie Lee is on the screen now, to me, she is Jamie Lee. Like, But that's fine to me. because Yeah, it's like, it doesn't bother me. That was always true of Jack Nicholson. It's always true of Robert De Niro. Yeah. Like, they're not, you know. That's, I, that's an episode topic we have written down. I don't know yeah, if we'll Yeah, there, movie but. stars with flashy cars and life at the top down. We're storming the big town. Yeah, storm is right. Should it be snowing? Uh, but Jamie Lee, I, I adore. She's probably number one. Sigourney Weaver. Uh, I'm going to have to put Viola Davis at number three. We're going to have to say that the Tooch 
is going to be five because J.K. Simmons is still four. I can't knock him down. down. Love Tucci. He might be a better actor than J.K. Simmons. I don't care. Um, Meryl Streep, of course. Of course on the list. Whoopi Goldberg is on the list. I know what you're thinking. Whoopi Goldberg, not that good of an actor, but... But she she's whoopy. moves Danny. She's whoopy. Halle Berry. That only Activia yogurt can. <laughs> Molly, that's such a good joke. I know. I was Molly, to deliver it we better. should send that into Reader's Digest. <laughs> <That> <laughs> she moves Danny in ways that only Activia. Oh, it should have been the commercial. Oh, that really should have. Activia. Today I watched the Adam Sandler film Eight Crazy Nights again. And um, I watched the film again. There's not a sequel called Eight Crazy Nights again. Um, Eight more crazy nights. No. Um, I watched that film. It's not very good. The animation is beautiful. But there's a part where, as a euphemism for going to the bathroom, Adam Sandler's character sings, If I move a bowel, as in if I make a bowel movement... And I was like, if I move a bowel is such a stretch to get to the fucking rhyme for towel that I almost respect it. It's almost like when someone just tells you they did a bad thing instead of lying to you. And you're like, you know what? I'm mad at you for doing that. But good on you for not going behind my back with all that. Um, anyway, anyway, you know, I famously have so many backroom dealings being a mobster. It's true. Yeah. Um, anyway, Christmas at the Cranks. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're supposed to be talking about Christmas the Grinch. Well, it's a great movie. I love it. Uh, The critics did not enjoy it. It did not make money at the box office. Which is a crime. It's a crime because it warms your heart. It really, to me, showcases... Tim Allen is fine. It's not his best work by any means. But his only best work is the Santa Claus and Galaxy Quest. You're going to do Star Wars like that? I mean... (laughs) Yeah, Tim Allen, Star Wars. I meant to say Toy Story. That's Oh, that's right. You know what? Tim Allen is in a lot of good movies. And he was in Home Improvement, a great show. Wow. Don't... We're not going to have this. (laughs) Hysterical. Funniest joke of the century. Is Tim Allen making that noise? No, it's when uh, Neil Cesariga put that song with the grunt. Yeah. Um, Anyway. Um, Christmas with the Cranks. Tim Allen, I don't want to say it's his best role. But it's hard to judge because you hate his character so much in the movie. Yeah. He's playing an asshole and he's doing a good job at it. Yeah. But he honestly, it's like he and it's probably because of the the tanning. Yeah. But he looks like the plastic Santa in that film when he's yes. like the Botox. There's a part shit. where Luther in the movie goes and gets a tanning bed tan and he gets Botox shot in his forehead. So he kind of has those permanent Jack Nicholson eyebrows. Um I was going to say Michael Keaton eyebrows, but I always, I feel bad making fun of Michael Keaton for that because I love Michael Keaton and I'd rather just make fun of Jack Nicholson. I fell asleep to the voice of Michael Keaton the other night. Why? He was in a John Oliver video. Oh, is it the one where they're doing like the infrastructure, like the dam and he's like inspecting it? No, it was um, the opioid crisis and like the really shitty response that the uh, like head of the company gave about like how you should basically blame addicts as the problem and not the opioid companies. And uh, he never released it in person. He only released it in writing. So they had Michael Michael Keaton Keaton read it. And uh, I fell asleep to the beautiful sound of his voice. I love Michael Keaton. He has a slight lisp and people don't really talk about it, but it's great. It's there. It's a a slight, it's like a soft S. He's interesting. Interesting man. Um, Love him in Spotlight. Yeah. Oh, I saw a clip from Spotlight recently the other day. Um, 
and I hadn't seen that movie in so long, and it really made me want to watch Spotlight. Oh. And I forgot how good that is. Oh, Brian Darcy James might crack the list of favorite Ooh. actors. Yeah. Well, Mark Ruffalo. We're going to get our Brian Darcy yeah. James episode in one of these days. I swear. Yeah. Um, also, Mark Ruffalo, I watched an interview with him from 2016, and I cried because he really tried to convince Elizabeth Warren to run for president back then. Yeah. And it was him on Colbert talking about it. And you it. had hope for a slightly better America. And I cried, like, right. that if Mark Ruffalo couldn't pull this off, like, it's never going to happen. And I right. cried. Um, Raw. Anyway, Raw. Christmas with the Cranks. God, we're 35 minutes in, and we're, we're, trying, we're trying to remember to... what the topic is. So Christmas, Christmas with, with the Cranks. Crank. So Crank it up. Let me be clear. I'm going to spoil the film for you all. The best line of the film to us as children, which has now become not as funny to me because of how often we say this in our life, yeah. is um, they need to get a hickory honey ham because basically they decide they're not going to celebrate Christmas and then their daughter comes home and they're like, she's like, I'm coming home for Christmas, surprise. And they basically have like 24 hours to put together their famous Christmas Eve party and they need to get a hickory honey ham because that's her favorite and Jamie Lee Curtis goes to great lengths to get it. And uh, then it gets run over by a truck. Yeah. And she comes into the kitchen and she says they're having smoked trout for dinner. And Luther's like, smoked trout? What happened to the hickory honey ham? And in such a serious tone, mm. with such dramatic music, Jamie Lee looks at the camera with a crazy eyes and says, never say hickory honey ham again. Mm. And it's the best line ever in the movie. And that is why it was my favorite christmas movie not really my favorite but it's up there um danny you want to tell the folks at home what our big problem with christmas with the cranks is i will tell them in just one second molly i would however first like to point out that one of the greatest comedians of all time andy daly um oh yes <laughs> he appears in the hickory honey ham sequence as the guy who is buying the last hickory honey ham and jamie lee curtis walks up to him and says oh she makes a weird noise and she goes, can I buy your ham? And he goes, uh, no, actually, we're uh, going to eat this tonight. And she goes, listen, I will pay anything for this ham. I will kill a boy for this ham. I don't know. And then she looks over at the mom and she goes, what is this ham worth to you? And then she pulls out her checkbook and says, it's never too early to start thinking about, clicks a pen, college fund. And then the, the Andy Daly sells her the ham. Anyway, and then of course it is run over by the truck. Yada yada. Yeah. Point is hysterical. Christmas with the Cranks. I love that movie so much. It is very deeply flawed. It's not a great movie, but it is. It's almost it's like a great movie. It's almost like one of those times where I'm trying to think of another example of this, where it's like I'm sad that the world will never quite recognize how good this thing is because they are so caught up on these surface level flaws like oh luther the main character is fundamentally unlikable fuck that he has a sweet moment at the end of the movie it's fine or um it's uh, very disjointed and the story doesn't really go anywhere for most of the film hey fuck you it's a wacky christmas comedy yeah. uh but the main problem people have with the movie which is our main problem with the movie is that the message is confusing and also the neighbors in the movie are a disturbing cult that want to kill everyone. The neighbors are horrible. I will say this. I think most Christmas movies are all set up and then one big thing happens because that's the beauty of a Christmas movie is that the first, like, 30, per 30 Jesus, the first 70% of the movie is spent 
just building up like what Christmas is, what typical Christmas is, or what this new world of Christmas is. Like if you think about something like the Santa Claus, the whole first half of that movie isn't like he's Santa Claus and what should he do? It's like getting him to be Santa Claus, seeing the North Pole, seeing all right. these things. And that's kind of what Christmas with the Cranks is. The whole first half is us learning what the usual Christmas traditions are and yeah. then the plot point is when they have to right. scatter to do it. But yeah, the problem is the fucking neighbors. The problem in this movie is the neighbors because, so the wacky antic of the movie, the original title of the book and the original title of the movie, Skipping Christmas, later changed to Christmas with the Cranks. Yeah. Not entirely sure why they changed that title. It's less clear what the film is about. Maybe that's why. Maybe they want some kind of dramatic Maybe they just thought Christmas with the Cranks had a nice kind of hard K sound or something. I don't know why. Because they're cranky. Maybe they didn't want you to think it was an anti-Christmas movie. That could be it. Like people think it's called Skipping Christmas. No. Um, At any rate, the film. Mm -hmm. In the film, they they decide they're not going to celebrate Christmas this year. And then their neighbors start freaking out because... Okay, and the the problem here is two-pronged, right? So the main prong of the problem is that the neighbors are unreasonable. Everyone on the block puts up this Frosty the Snowman decoration, and this year the cranks don't want to do it because they're skipping Christmas. So they're going to be the only house on the block in this little um, riverside Illinois town. Mm Mm-hmm. They're going to be the only ones on this uh, suburban street without the Frosty the Snowman. So the neighbors start freaking out and they start protesting and they picket the the Crank's house. That's yeah. crazy. Like, that's a crazy thing to do. To it's insane. Demand I mean, they, that your neighbors do this. They, they call the house repeatedly. They wait outside. They chase them down the street. They indoctrinate the children because the kid from Malcolm in the Middle, Dewey, yeah. he, I, I apologize, that's not the actor's name, fucking Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle, <laughs> is just like separate from his parents out there protesting the cranks in the middle of the day, which yeah. is weird because he should be in school, I guess, but whatever. Like he he's protesting them while the parents are not doing it. So the children are like fully brainwashed into it at this point. Yeah. And it's like, but also like one of the lines, I, uh, she puts it so well, you're going to have to forgive me. I can't think of her full name. The aunt from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Caroline Rhea. Thank you. I, I always go. Always to, on the tip of my tongue. I am never ready with it. She says, as, yes, as soon as <laughs> she, she finds out that um, they're not going to have the, the Christmas party, her and their other friend are like, well, what are we supposed to do on Christmas? Yeah. And it's like, dude, like, I mean, I don't know. Figure it out for yourself. Like, uh, the whole town revolves around this lady celebrating Christmas with the, and her husband. But uh, also... When I suggested this, it didn't occur to me till now. We always complain about these neighbors and how wrong it is that they try to force these people into celebrating Christmas. But it did kind of occur to me that like probably a lot of the local economy does depend on them because yeah. they spend an ungodly amount on Christmas. Whatever rich. number they give yeah. is like way too much. Like they ho- they host a Christmas party. Yeah. They make Christmas cards. They send out invitations yes. for the Christmas party that they get custom printed. They yeah. buy a bunch of liquor. They buy a bunch of, of they food. They calculate it. It's, a, it's, a, it's in the thousands. Yeah, it's thousands of dollars they spend on Christmas every year. It's enough that they plan to take a a cruise they plan to yeah. take a vacation together and they'll actually save money and the, the still gig. save something like six hundred dollars yeah like that is how much money these people spend on christmas you mean we save money another classic jamie lee curtis delivery no <laughs> um, but um luther it's not even saturday night <laughs> 
Oh, I love her. I love the way she says Luther. It's oh, Luther. Oh, with the cranks. Anyway, um, yeah. So at any rate, uh, Christmas with the cranks. Uh, so the neighbors are led by uh, Frohmeyer. Vic Frohmeyer, played by Dan, Dan Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd with a very visible bald spot. And I was like, well, it's. I guess it's good that he's not trying to hide it. But on the other hand, it's like his hair is all still black. So I feel like he's dying the hair. That's. I don't know the intimate details of his hair life. I don't Listen, know what he does. Crystal Head Vodka is the purest vodka, and we filter it, you see, over these rocks. And nine out of ten people can tell the difference when we don't filter it over the rocks. Well, so Danny, this is a horror film, basically. Danny Aykroyd. <laughs> nice to meet you. It's great to meet you. I was very good in Christmas with the Cranks. He, he was. He was terrifying. I'm almost Bernie said. You were close. I was very good in Christmas with the Cranks. <laughs> Let me I make wish. one thing perfectly clear. Oh, if he clear. played the Santa in that, Marty, yeah. I'd love it. I'd love it. Santa always has to work on Christmas Eve. People so, don't talk. That's so, almost, I'm sorry, not to go back to how I'm bad at impressions, yeah. but that's almost Scarface. That's say hello to oh, my little yeah, friend. It's little almost heavy. there. And even then, not real Scarface, Dana Carvey doing uh, Yeah, yeah, <laughs> doing that seems about right. Um, but so these neighbors. Now let's, let's paint a pretty picture for you folks. Imagine that... You were Jewish. And there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. Well, <laughs> imagine you're Jewish and you don't ever decorate for Christmas. It's easy if you try. Can you imagine your neighbors attacking you, threatening you, making you yeah. feel like an absolute piece of shit for not putting up Christmas decorations? I'm sure it happens. Yeah. I'm sure there are plenty of small fucking towns like this. But I'm going to bump it up another level for you here. Now, can you imagine sending Christmas carolers... To someone's house. Yeah. Who doesn't celebrate Christmas because they don't celebrate Christmas, knowing they don't celebrate Christmas, sending them there, then creepily singing outside their house at a loud Going around volume, to different windows. Going around to different windows, making the creepiest face while doing it, increasing your speed to a point where people have to go hide in their basement. I guess the frightening nature of these neighbors can be described as this. Jamie Lee Curtis screams more in Christmas with the Cranks than she does in any Halloween movie. Yeah. She does more shrieking. Jamie Lee Curtis, famously a scream queen, does more shrieking over the runtime of Christmas with the Cranks because of Vic Frohmeyer than she ever did because of Michael Myers' The Shape. It's true. It's absolutely true. And I just don't understand. <laughs> I love if at the end of Christmas with the Cranks, she's like sitting under the Christmas tree with Luther and she's just like weeping and she goes, was that the boogeyman? <laughs> Dan Aykroyd pops up behind the tree. I'm afraid it was, my dear. And then he like runs on the window. <laughs> I mean, there is the beautifully edited uh, trailer yeah. for where they mix Christmas with the Cranks and the new Halloween movie oh, together. it's called Christmas with the Shape. It is hysterical. You gotta watch it, It guys. is the funniest, most intense thing. I really recommend it. It's really, really funny. Mm. And it, it captures the hilarity of the film. Yeah. That that's how intense this is. But, so the, the part of the film that, that I don't understand yeah. that, that kind of makes all of this worse is that the neighbors are not the bad guys. Like, right? we're describing them to you okay. as the bad guys and they're not. They are portrayed... As the normal ones, the sane ones, the heroes. When meanwhile, our our main guy, Luther, who's portray portrayed as the antagonist villain, is just fighting consumerism. Yes. He's fighting consumerism. He's trying to have a different memorable experience with his wife. He's trying to make up for the whole empty nest thing that's going on. He's just trying to live an alternative lifestyle. And his neighbors won't accept it. And here's the thing, is that early in the movie, he writes up a letter explaining that he's going to skip Christmas. He gives it out to everyone in his office because he celebrates Christmas so big, you know? Yeah. 
He gives them notice. He gives them notice. He, he explains it's too sad with Blair not yes, being there. And he says, like, I am sad. Look, I'm not going to wander around saying bah humbug. I'm not going to be mean to you. I'm not going to throw your fruitcake in the garbage if you give it to me. But I'm not doing presents. I'm not doing Christmas this year. I just don't want to think about it. Which is the most like human and reasonable thing, but in the movie, it is pers- it is presented to us with wacky typing comedy music because he types it out on his keyboard and it's like da 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 like he's typing it out and he like walks around and puts one on everyone's desk as if he's leaving a fucking burn book on their desk. Bonkers. Well, because he says it so evilly, he's like, "I am simply skipping, skipping Christmas." Christmas. <laughs> yeah, fuck it, Jesus Christ. But anyway, can you tell we've seen the movie a lot? Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. but the problem is at the end of yeah. the film, when it is revealed that Blair is going to come home with her new boyfriend, Enrique, um, that she is not staying in the Peace Corps and she's just going to come home for Christmas anyhow. And she's engaged. Oh, Blair. Anyway, the point is. Sorry, wait, I'm sorry. It's, yeah. He asked me to marry him and I really want to say yes. Oh, that's my Tim Allen impression. <laughs> I'm sorry. Wait. Oh! A flawless Jamie Lee Curtis jumping up and down on the bed listening to her <laughs> early 2000s clunky white phone. Yeah. Uh, anyway. I'm not going to lie, guys. It was pretty good. That was pretty good. <laughs> uh, anyway, so <laughs> so at the end of the movie, the, the cranks see the error of their ways mm-hmm. and ask the neighbors for help. And the neighbor, Vic Fromeyer, gets up and makes a big speech about how Luther Crank is a big jerk, but we're going to do this to help Blair. And everybody cheers. So at the end of the movie, who is right? The neighbors? What is the moral? Don't ever try to be cheap and skip Christmas. Don't spend your money the way you want to. Buy into meaningless tradition. Very creepy moral. Yeah, it's. I mean, and it, it's creepy. They are portrayed creepy. Yeah. And like, I do think that is the point. Is that like they are a creepy cult like yes. town, like, and that's shown. And that's funny. But it's but like weird because like no one's the protagonist in the film then, because they're the bad guys. But so is Luther. I mean, Nora's really the Nora innocent is our hero because Nora wants to still celebrate Christmas. Yeah. And Nora would have gone halfway. That's the thing is that okay, and this is why the problem is two pronged. Yeah. Because they don't want to celebrate Christmas, but Nora just simply says we're going to give our annual charitable donations, right? Because, you know, they have money and they yeah. can give to charity. And then Luther says, no, this is a complete boycott. And then I believe there is a scene where she angrily sits in bed until he agrees to give some amount of money to the yes. church. But then when, like, the policeman's ball people show up with the annual calendar and the Boy Scouts want him to buy a tree, he won't do any of these things. Right, which, like, and I, I do kind of get, I get both sides. Because on the one hand, Nora is like, you know, we should still do nice things. It yes. is Christmas. And Luther's like, we spend money on so many things. Like, this is what adds up. It's yeah. like, yeah, they agree to donate to charity. But then the policeman's, like, foundation. Then the Boy Scouts. Like, you start feeling bad for everyone. Then if that poor card guy, you're half his business every year. He's counting on you. And now he can't give his children Christmas gifts. He doesn't say that. But it could be implied. And, like, this could be Bev's last Christmas because she's dying. Like, oh, Bev Shields. There's so much pressure that I get that it's hard to go halfway. So, to some degree, I get the full boycott. But also, Luther is nice about it in the beginning. And then everyone pushes and pushes Christmas on him that they turn him into a Grinch. Like, they make him a little yeah. crazy. Nora goes crazy and wants to hide in the house. But Luther goes crazy and is like... I'm going to ice the pathway for carolers to slip on because he has to defend his home because you're driving him mad. Yeah. yeah. I, I, 
Molly. Yeah. I love Christmas with the crank so much. I, it's fantastic. It's flawless. But also. I think the moral of the film is so confused because the movie never really knows what it wants. The neighbors are creepy. They yes. are they are a scary cult as framed in the early parts of the movie. Luther is a bit of a blowhard and a bit of a jerk. I think we are almost supposed to relate to him in a way, in the same way we are always supposed to relate to Tim Allen as like a suburban dad who's a little goofy, but we're always kind of rooting for the him. The dad who's always dragged along with everything. Yeah, that yeah. is his wife's crazy idea. Well, no, I think it's the other way. I think he's dragging his wife along on crazy ideas. Like how well, in Home Improvement- Well, that's the plot twist here. No, but in Home Improvement, he was always doing wacky things and his wife was always like, Tim- let me be clear. Yes. I don't think the wife's ideas are crazy. I think to the man, it the always yeah. seems like okay. she's crazy. Why does she need the specific yeah. nuts from this place? Oh, like, oh, you know. Oh. Yeah, I, I do get that. <laughs> it's weird that he doesn't have a third one. Because <laughs> sure it's like, oh, 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 oh. and I cannot I'm think I'm sure there's of... like an exhaling one type of thing. That... Oh. Like a... <laughs> <laughs> Not that, but we saw being friends. <laughs> um, me saw thinking. Danny, do you know why I love Christmas with the Cranks? Because we saw have peace. <laughs> Bombard. You know, think about it. I want you to think. What is it that I Can you imagine like? Someone hearing that and they haven't seen the Phantom Menace. Yeah, they're gonna think you're like racist and creepy. Whoa. Why is it racist? Because it sounds like sounds almost a little Asian. Jamaican. Oh, I was thinking Jamaican. Well, that's too a little. I always thought Jar Jar sounded a little, you know. I. That's a whole other topic. Me sa thinking, we sa. Oh uh, yeah, it does sound Jamaican when you do that. A speediest um, way to do Naboo is through the plan. Why do you core. think I like this movie? Because What's I the think the quality about the movie. I have two guesses. Okay. Number one. You like a lot of movies from the early 2000s that have that specific look. This looks exactly the same as Mamma Mia. I do like the look. Girl, you got the look. And then also I think I think you might enjoy some of like not the coziness of it. I'm trying to find the right word here. I'm going to put that with the look, but okay, th that's, that's not with it. The look? That's not okay. it. Um it does give me truly the coziness. Do you relate to this movie vibe? in some way because this gives me sometimes you and Ronaldo vibes. Uh or Rudolph. It does give me those Whatever vibes, his name was. but no, that's not it, because I like this before. Okay. What is a quality I like about a lot of movies. Antics. Some of my favorite movies do this. Less than 50% on Rotten Tomatoes? Mamma Mia. What? It's a movie that feels like it's going to end five oh. times before oh, it does. Oh, the classic. The classic. <laughs> Which Tonyville don't like, but I love. The Sound of Music test. Yes, it as it pass, and it passes with flying colors. So first, we think... Maybe they're going to successfully go on Skip the trip. Christmas. We know that's not going to happen. There's literally a that's scene where the they wake up out. on the day of the cruise. They're in their yeah, like, you're Hawaiian like, clothes. You're like, this is it. This is like, They've made it through. They're going to get out of the Scientology-esque no, cult. No. Then it's Blair's coming home. We got to rush for the party. All right. We think that's going to be it. And mm -hmm. they're going to pull off the party. No. Then they got a stall. And so then there's this whole scene about like a robber that they have to go pick up who's the dad from Phil of the Future. Yes. And they have to go, like, pick him up. The police pick him up while they're picking up Blair from the airport. We get a whole weird thing about that. Then you think, all right, they're going to drop her off now, and that'll be the end. No, it turns out the robber breaks into their house because Dewey lets them in. 
uh, lets him in and he, you know, steals from them. So there's that whole scene. Then we find out Santa Claus stops the robber. We find out that Santa Claus is actually Marty, the umbrella salesman. We think that's the end. I might be going a little out of order. No, 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 please. And You're then, correct so far. And then on top of that, we think it's the end and everyone's learned the lesson. But now Tim Allen has to go over to Bev Shield and yes. give her his cruise because she's dying and that's like his ultimate redemption gift. Yeah, that's and we his think Scrooge that moment. that's the end. But and then they then, catch the robber. No, they did that. But then No, then, no, they catch the robber at the end because then he goes That's why I said Santa, Santa, that's why I said Santa stopped yeah. the robber. But okay. the neighbor then has to come out again and thank Tim Allen yes. after he's already thanked him for the cruise. Just so you know that that's how nice he is. Yeah. It's great. We're not going to have to start and being we get nice, nice to each other, are we? That's perfect. That's my great M. Emmett Walsh impression. I do him in Knives Out, too. There's a tape. <laughs> Another That's film starring Jamie Lee Curtis. Literally the way in which he says it is, yeah, there's a tape in here. I don't have the high-fangled digital system. <laughs> now, you know I'd love to live in that town. Can I? Oh, well, You know I would. You might have to look at your computer. Oh, it just does that. It's, it's Oh, okay. Fine. I thought garage. My computer's possessed, yeah. guys. Um, And my... No, I can't spoonerize that because it's too clunky. Yeah. My computer's concessed. It's, yeah, nothing. it's, it's not nothing. It's nothing. It's nothing. Go it's on. nothing. Anyway, M. Emmett Walsh kind of looks like the guy in The Mandalorian who goes, um, I have spoken. That guy. The little the little Nick Nolte guy. He looks a lot like M. Emmett Walsh, who is the old neighbor in this. The, hey, old man, what, what are you doing on the roof? Like that <laughs> guy. He looks a lot like Mandalorian. Oh. You come with me. I'm sorry. Yeah. That's the part I forgot. They also have to rescue the man they left on the roof. That's right. Freezing up there. Their friend who put up the frosty snowman for them has to hide when um when Blair comes for the party and uh, he has to help him down and he goes, Luther. And he's frozen. Let's not forget Tim Allen falls off the roof and almost hangs himself. Yes. God. So much happens and in the he, last like, like the 30 joke, minutes of the he film. He is so exasperated by that point in the film that they find him like dangling from his ankle from the chimney. And they go, Luther, what were you doing? And he goes, I was trying to hang myself. <laughs> he just lies to that. And it's just like so sad, like this man. And like no one's phased by it. Everyone's like, oh, come on, get down. Like, Now listen here. We're not going to do this for Luther. We're doing it for Blair. Blair, who babysit your kids. Blair. Let's hear it for the firemen. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Dan Aykroyd gets up on the back of a fire truck and still somehow the leader of this neighborhood. I believe at one point... Uh, Tim Allen, in a line of exposition, goes, oh, the unofficial guard dog of the neighborhood. Yeah. Another great line of dialogue. One of my favorite lines of dialogue in the film, of course, is when they're sneaking around the house trying not to make noise so the neighbors hear them. And then Tim Allen does like military hand signals. And Jamie Lee Curtis goes, what? What is this? And he goes, this this is military. I saw this on the Discovery Channel, which is such like a 2004 joke of like, old men watching the discovery channel it was like the time in history when everyone was watching shark week and the Mythbusters. like the discovery channel was some hot shit in 2004 it was that was um who are the Mythbusters? our gym teacher used to call you discovery channel he did as sort of a derogatory <laughs> he meant it lovingly but it always came off derogatory well he also used to, i mean it was better than what he used to call me before that which was boy tits but yeah. no, no. You know, that's a joke mr right? he would never say. he would never mr tip lady would never Mr. Okay. Tip Lady, if you're out there, your name is fantastic. Did he die? I don't know. He was old. He retired. I remember when he retired and everybody dressed up as yes, him. Yes, that was my favorite thing we ever did was 
in my elementary school, we had this gym teacher named Mr. Tip Lady. And every day, even if it was hot or cold, he would come in in like a polo shirt and cargo shorts. <laughs> and um, he had like gray very, hair. like a wonderful head of gray hair. Yeah, like a full head of hair, but it was gray. He kind of looked like Michael you, McDonald. <laughs> those kids had him pegged. Every child in the school looked exactly like that man. Like we were told, hey, tomorrow is Mr. Tip Lady's last day. As a teacher, we're doing Mr. Tip Lady Day. Everyone dress up as Mr. Tip Lady, and without fail, every child executed the costume perfectly. Flawlessly. And we all, like, some people, like, I sprayed my hair and, like, had a fake beard that Mm. I put on. Some kids did, like, wigs. But then, like, if you didn't have that, you would sit with your teacher, and we all took paper plates and made beards as, like, an arts and crafts one day, like, the week before. We and then we all sat outside, and the principal came out. We all made a big speech to <laughs> Mr. Tip Lady, and like the degree to which that man had an impact on my life and the life of every other kid in that school, I it cannot be overstated. Like people always talk about, like I want to become a teacher so I can impact a child, and it's always like, nah, kids hate teachers. I don't know. We all liked Mr. Tip Lady. <laughs> Most people I know love teachers, but here's the thing: both is, of his sons he had became such teachers. a significant impact. Yeah. But like, I don't remember a damn thing about that man. Oh, I can tell you a lot about that guy. You can. I, well, because I just, he had a nickname for it. <laughs> Call me Discovery Channel. Sure, you guys were closer. I was always so. He was also the fun gym teacher, yeah. and like, I only got to have him a few times. I always got stuck with the mean one. Yeah. I honestly, it's weird to think of me ever getting along with a gym teacher because I'm such a doughy unathletic child but that was elementary school and i didn't really get fat till about third grade i didn't get fat till third grade but um and i've just kind of stayed there ever since but anyway he's like one of the first teachers that i feel like to me at least acknowledged your intelligence and that like he made a point to tell me that he called you he's very sweet very sweet guy um just skinny man i was a very know-it-all kid i like talking I still do. Gotta. If podcasts existed when I was six, I would have had one. Anyway, but um, he told us a story once. And like this was a story that you would hear multiple times if you had him. Mm-hmm. So like I heard this story a thousand times. And it was he was telling us like the dangers of suntanning. Oh. And he told us this story. He says, this woman. And for some reason, this story reminds me of Christmas with the Cranks because they go to the, the tanning salon. Oh, yeah. And uh, Jamie Lee Curtis like bangs her head when she's in the tanning booth. And Luther gets all crusty and tan. Anyway. So this woman, I have no idea if this is true. It's just a story our gym teacher would tell us to spook us. Uh, it was he. This woman wanted to get tan, and she thought, oh, well, whenever I cook a turkey, it gets all nice and golden brown on the outside. So she wrapped herself up in tin foil and goes and sits out in the sun, and she literally baked herself alive. And I don't know why he would tell this story so often to us children where this woman dies a horrible death. It's funny. I think he likes stories like that because what I remember about him is that he was the first person. I I don't. I didn't know basketball for a long time, folks, and I I probably couldn't have named any basketball player except Michael Jordan. And he's the first person I ever heard talk about Magic Johnson. And I remember him saying that that wasn't his real name, and he he he, you know told us his name. And then he started telling us this story, which now I look back and I'm like. I could be remembering it wrong, but how I remember it is he told us Magic Johnson was a person and he told us that he was supposed to die of AIDS and that, you know, now there's medication that and like Magic Johnson isn't dead. Yeah. And like why you tell that to a room of third graders, I have no concept (laughs) of what AIDS is. I don't know. But, like, I remember the end of the first time, like, well, I really believe in the power of medicine. Like, you know, he was just like, and it's great. Like, we have these pills that that just won't kill people. And, uh, 
I do believe he did tell me, though, that Magic Johnson's real name was not his real name. Oh, really? Like, whatever he said was the wrong name. Because um, Unless I just really had a bad memory for it. Because when I found out years later, and it's escaping me at this moment. What is Magic Johnson's real name? Yeah, um, it'll come to me. It won't, but... Anyway, that this is a boring end to that story. No, no, but, it's uh, great. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna look off. up Magic Johnson. Why is the name Lou coming to me? That's not it. Uh, his name is Irvin. Irvin. E or Irvin. E A R V I N. Irvin. See now that doesn't feel familiar. Either. I watched the first part of that documentary about him and Larry Bird. Him and Larry Bird. I watched the first part of that little documentary yeah. about them on HBO, and uh, then I was like, oh yeah, I don't like sports, and I shut it off. So I don't know anything about basketball. So they were talking and I was kind of like, because mm. normally I like sports documentaries because they're just kind of like the story of an athlete. Yeah. And, you know, sports are exciting. I don't watch them. I don't keep up with them, but like they're exciting. Can you watch a game with me? Yeah. Like it's it's like uh, how I imagine most people treat like superheroes. It's like if someone comes in and I'm watching an episode of Batman, they're not going to be like, Ugh, Batman. But, you know, they don't know who fucking uh, Lady Shiva is. They're not big into the, right. the lore of who Dr. Leslie Tompkins is and her significant role in the Batman family. You know, they're fine not knowing who Sarge Steel is. Well. I could do more obscure Batman characters if you want. I don't know. Ma Murder, The Haunted I Tank. I wish I had a brain. Like, you know, like, and I know that's a, a bold statement Start to make. Start singing But if I, I, I don't remember the words, I'm sorry. <sighs> Jesus Christ. See, if only I had a brain, right? Um. Oh, I. But... Yeah, I don't have a good like brain for facts and, and names of people. Like, I have no brain for facts. I guess you just told me I'm his name and it doesn't even sound brain. familiar to me. And oh, yet I know that I know that, you know? Oh, Bob. You don't know. You know I'm everything. Christmas with the Cranks. Christmas with, Christmas with, Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, the movie really does end on a fever dream, though, because like, <laughs> okay, so we're panning out from the Crank house mm-hmm. and we're like, this has been a fun Christmas romp. And then all of a sudden, the most insane version of Jingle Bell starts playing. It goes, dun, 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 dun. And then the Frosty the Snowman decoration on the roof turns around and waves at you with its cold, dead eyes. And then a uh, a small, beat-up car with fake plastic reindeer attached to the front flies past the screen. And the umbrella salesman, Marty, screams, Merry Christmas! And then it goes, dun, 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 dun. And then it's over. And you're like, it is the equivalent of when Genie at the end of Aladdin's like, made yeah. you look. Nothing nearly that surreal has happened all movie. The craziest <laughs> thing that happens in Christmas with the Cranks is, I guess, when they're in the basement and yeah. they look at the Frosty, it's lit from beneath, so it looks scary. And, like, the movie plays, like, a <laughs> noise. Yeah, like, you know, like, when a furnace in a basement yeah. is lit up and scary? They do that, but with Frosty. You remember Home Alone. Yeah, it, it's a real Home Alone. They pull a Home Alone. Um, you know what I'd like to see, Danny, that I just thought of that I've never seen? I want to see Jamie Lee Curtis and Catherine O'Hara. Oh, yes, Molly. What a combo. The two greatest Christmas moms? Yeah. Christmas moms, Christmas, Christmas moms. moms. Christmas, Christmas moms. Okay, can I pitch you the ultimate movie? Okay. Catherine O'Hara and Jamie Lee Curtis team up against Sigourney Weaver and Caroline Rhea, and it is a fight to the death. And it's just, we do like, it's a mad, mad, mad world, but we do as many pairings of celebrities who are in the same vein as each other as we possibly can. Mm. So like Sigourney Weaver and Jamie Lee Curtis, Catherine O'Hara and Caroline Rhea, Stanley Tucci, and um, oh, who's the guy that, um, um, oh, he's... Help me out here. I don't know who you're talking Barton about. Barton Fink. He's, um, he, oh, John Turturro. John Turturro and Ooh. Stanley Tucci. You know John Turturro. He's in The Big Lebowski. 
You ever seen The Big Lebowski? Danny, I, oh, I okay. don't know. Yeah. Well, he's in a lot of things. I wish a lot of oh, things. Oh, Kurt Russell like and... Uh, oh, um, oh, oh, yes. Um, Not Russell Crowe. No. <laughs> Kurt Russell Crowe. No, oh. Kurt Russell and the other one. <laughs> the, the Chris Christopherson. That's oh, that's <laughs> the one you're thinking of? There's another guy that I get confused with, Kurt Russell, then. There is another one I do, too. But and he, it's not Kenny... Uh, he didn't come to my mind. It's not Kenny Rogers. No, that's who you get confused with, Chris That's where I get... Okay, Chris Christopherson and Kenny Rogers. <laughs> Kurt um, Russell and the other guy who I think is Kurt Russell. <laughs> not oh, Burt Reynolds. what is he in? It's not Burt Reynolds. I can if, so clearly picture him. It's so sad that Burt Reynolds is dead. Otherwise, him and Tom Selleck could have been a great yeah, duo. Yeah, they would have been. Yeah. If you know who reminds us of Kurt Russell, let yeah. us know. I can't think of it. Harrison Ford and Robert Redford is one that people aren't going to go for, but that I feel strongly about. Um, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro, obviously. Alicia Silverstone and, and Meg Ryan. Oh, I was And Jules. Oh, uh, Maggie yes, Lawson. Yes. The three of them. They're going to be a trio. No, I was going to say, um, oh gosh, Alicia Silverstone and maybe Reese Witherspoon. Well, she actually kind of could go in that Renee bunch. Renee Zellweger and uh, that other lady with the tiny eyes. <laughs> Renee Zellweger has very small eyes. I don't uh, know if you ever noticed. When she played Judy Garland, I was like, see, this is a good Judy Garland performance, but. Her eyes are so tiny, and Judy had those real big, you know. I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't know. Oh, this was a fun game. Back to yeah. Christmas with the cranks. Christmas with the cranks. Um, I, I just feel like there's so much to say about it, and, and yet there's not so enough. many strange things about it. It, okay, again, the film looks overly warm. Yeah, which it is, is so. Str- I guess it's an int- it's the right choice for a Christmas movie, I guess, because even though Christmas time is very cold and you expect those kind of cool colors. Really, what you think of when you think of Christmas is being inside and that kind of aggressive warmth of the fire. But the whole point is that they're skipping Christmas. So hear me out. The whole movie should have had a very cool color palette. And then once we're throwing the Christmas party with Blair, it should have gotten warmer. It should have finally warmed up because they realized that Christmas was the right thing to do. I think the Christmas spirit was always there. That's the thing, too, is... Uh, with the movie I will give the neighbors this defense if you are the biggest Christmas celebrating people in the world and then you just one day decide you're not going to do it it could be seen as like a cry for help you know like that is a little concerning Um, I'd like to believe they have the best intentions but we we know that they don't but um but also oh I totally lost my train of thought there wait the warmth the warmth oh I feel like they are fighting so hard against wanting to celebrate Christmas. At least Nora. Luther lets it go pretty easily, but Nora clearly still wants to do Christmas. She's not on board until like when she does come to the mall after being like attacked and embarrassed in front of the preacher. Yeah. Yeah. When she's in her bikini and the That's preacher's such like a- Nora? I'm doing Christmas shopping. I heard you with Luther skipping Christmas. Yeah, and like Luther is portrayed as a Grinch, which he kind of becomes. I think it takes over him. But yeah, I don't know. Christmas with the Cranks is great. We love it. It just really bothers me that these these people are so... They really believe that they're right, and like they're all in on it together. And they're never criticized. Like I really was thinking that the end of that movie, when I first saw it... Not that they wouldn't celebrate Christmas, because I did see that kind of coming. But I thought there was going to be a dramatic scene where they're like, hey... Why are you guys doing this to us? Like, yeah, it's like not there's no wrong confrontation. To celebrate Christmas, like th- we don't get that. It's just that the cranks are wrong. It's very strange, and like, I guess maybe it's because Luther is so kind of mean to Nora. Like, maybe that's the message: is like he's mean to her, and she kind of wants to celebrate Christmas. And then when she 
gets to celebrate Christmas, she goes, I'm done with all this skipping Christmas nonsense. And your stupid idea yeah. of skipping Christmas. They keep saying the title, Skipping Christmas. Yeah, like you really, they were, they, they were really set to do it. And they never say Christmas with the cranks. But they say Skipping Christmas a whole fucking lot in that film. Yeah, I, I don't know. it. I So maybe the moral is that like, Luther is a mean husband. Like that's the framing, but then like he learns to appreciate the spirit of Christmas. I guess that is what it should be. What the message of the story should be is that Luther views Christmas in a cold financial way, which is why he's an accountant in the story. He views Christmas in a cold financial way and he's lost the Christmas spirit. And by the end of the movie, he rediscovers the Christmas spirit. But hear me out. The fact that the neighbors are the villains for 90% of the movie really undermines that because then at the end when he's supposed to be rediscovering the joy of community and you know here's a clean version of christmas with the cranks all the curses are taken out no here's a clean version also the lie is never revealed and they just get away with lying to blair but whatever that's fine i'm fine with that because i hate in movies when they find out the lie happened i really hate that you i've talked about this definitely on the podcast before but like just you know like that moment in shrek is always my version of it where it's just like he, you know, the fine, go back to Lord Farquaad. And then he just goes and sits in the castle and uh, there was a secret code. Did yeah. it play? And then like five minutes later, Donkey is back at the swamp building the wall. And he goes, what are you doing? Yeah, we did talk about a movie on here that does. Oh, with the Beautician and the Beast. That yes. doesn't happen. I was so happy when they didn't do that in Beautician and the Beast. And I'm very happy it doesn't have to happen in Christmas. I'm very happy that Fran Drescher gave Beautician and the Beast a nice shout out on uh, Instagram and Twitter. I love Beautician and the Beast. Quite happy about that. And I love that. Fran Drescher. I hope she doesn't get canceled anytime soon because we've been very positive oh, about her. We love her. Yeah. Anyway, you were saying uh, um, the neighbors, villains. Oh, yeah. So a clean version of this would just be uh, Luther Crank views Christmas as a financial burden. Mm-hmm. He decides to skip Christmas. Blair is coming home for Christmas and the neighbors pull together to help him put Christmas on, even though he's been mean to the neighbors. The problem is the neighbors are totally at fault. Like, Luther's kind of a dick, but the neighbors are totally at fault. If it was just Luther is mean to the neighbors, and then at the end, when Blair is coming, he realizes the error of his ways and apologizes to them and has everyone over for Christmas dinner. Like, that's kind of like a Christmas carol, you know? Yeah. Which is a very... A Christmas carol has been told over and over again so many times, and it's very diluted, but like... That is that story is great because it is such a simple morality tale and its framing is so perfect, you know? But I guess what you could say maybe then the beauty of this is is that if I really think about it, this might be more realistic. Yeah. I mean, as there's a ton of unrealistic things. There in is the a film, cult of consumerism around Christmas. There is. Like if you and I it randomly said to maybe not our neighbors, because we're not close with our neighbors, we're not in that small kind of town. But if we were to say to like our whole family, like, hey, by the way, we're not celebrating Christmas this year. Yeah. We'd get weird looks. We'd get the what are you doings? Like we'd get definitely people would be trying to push it on us. Like that would happen. And one, it would be really fucking embarrassing to not to turn around and be like, Hey, actually, can you help? me celebrate christmas really quickly but i think we've also all been there we've all had those thoughts of like i just don't want to do the holiday this year right and we need some propaganda holiday from the corporate machine to tell us that we need to buy 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 right and you're like i i don't have money it's not about the money which it's not about the money in this like Mm -hmm. it is for luther i guess we don't need your money money they do end up putting on christmas with everybody else's money so we just want to make the world dance 
Forget about the price tag. The beauty of this film, though, I do think is that it showcases Christmas really well. Like, and it's something simple like the food shopping and, and there being not enough hams left. Like, yeah. that is a real thing that happens around Christmas. And it's things like that that pull me into the film. Yeah. The decor, the, the very specific, like, baby's first Christmas ball yeah. or, like, that breaks. Like, all of these things. What ornament did you break? Nothing important. Baby's first Christmas. Great. It's Sorry. great. It's great. It's a good movie. I love this movie. I really want to watch Christmas with the Cranks. We'll, we'll watch it when we're deeper into the Christmas season so we can kind of savor it. But I, honest to God, I just am so baffled that while making the movie, this is the kind of problem that doesn't get addressed, but mm-hmm. something like the title does. And I yeah. think this says a lot about like Hollywood filmmaking is that like you've got all these great movie stars. You have Jamie Lee Curtis giving in a tour de force performance as always. You have her fucking brilliantly playing that character. Yeah. You have Tim Allen doing his Tim Allen thing, arguably just at the sort of crest of Tim Allen. Yeah. You know, early 2000s is where, like obviously his peak was late 90s and now he's kind of hit the crest. And nowadays we're, I feel like we're 10 minutes away from a Tim Allen renaissance. If he wasn't a conservative, it definitely would have already been happening. But you can see it happening with Vince Vaughn too. Yeah. Vince Vaughn's peak was in the 90s, crested in the early 2000s with like wedding crashes and stuff. Yeah. Went away, very Dang. conservative guy, and now with that movie Freaky, I feel like we're on the verge. Well, he's well, I don't of the Vonnesans. I mean, I'd argue he's kind of been there because he's done a couple serious films. That's where I feel like the dip. And some of those have he, been, and good. they've been good. He's yeah. he's been praised. I love Vince Vaughn. I do. He's good in that um, episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm that came out last year. I didn't see that. Oh, we should watch it. But Tim Together. Allen. Yeah. Christmas with the Cranks. Christmas with the Cranks. I want to. I love how often we just say Christmas with the Cranks Christmas as our segue. So, um, Christmas with the Cranks. No, but so I want to say to the actors out there, I have some advice for you, as a not actor who's never been in a film. It was in a commercial, so don't worry. I I know about these things. Um, when you're signing your contracts, when you're making your deals, I really want you to push for residuals or any of those like streaming rights or, or people that that like that you should get paid when the movie is played on TV because yeah. a lot of these films that don't do well and that get bashed on by the critics when they come out they're not they don't do well but then they become very popular after the fact like for example Christmas with the Cranks it usually airs I always see it on TV but this year it is part of the uh, free form 25, 25 days, days of Christmas yeah. and so it's gonna play a fuck ton on Freeform. And you get on Freeform when like you become a classic Christmas movie. They only play the same five fucking movies now. Yeah. That's another thing that's going to be an episode. I know it in my heart. But um You always have so much more anger than I do. I just uh, Danny was so angry. I'm so sad. Um yeah, until you're angry and then you're fucking psycho. What the fuck are you talking about, you piece of shit? You trying to touch my chicken fingers? Love chicken fingers. Me too. Mm. You know what I like chicken fingers with, Danny? Pasta? Yeah, I do. Oh, of course, Molly. The two greatest foods. Pasta with cheese on it and chicken mm. fingers with mm. honey mustard, baby. Oh, delicious. Mm. Anyway, um, but this movie is really blown up. Honey mustard is the best condiment. Sorry, go on. I'll please don't, please don't, please don't dwell um, on my uh, limited eating schedule. Um, Sometimes I have a hamburger. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. Um, I have a little hamburger. But yeah, I, I really think that this movie's blowing up now like i've always appreciated it not that i'm the only one but like i it wasn't on the top tier of christmas movies but it's becoming it yeah it's making a comeback christmas i think it's kind of 
I, I mean, James Corden did that bit with Jamie Lee Curtis last year where they brought out the woman who says the happy holidays after she steals the hickory honey ham. Yep. That was a flawless impression of her, by the way. That was really great. Um, yeah. But like they, they brought out that actress and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is supposed to, you know, I hate this game on James Corden because it feels like such a trap. It's so scary. Can you remember your co-star from that classic movie? Christmas with in the Cranks. In 2004, who's in one scene with you and brings out five fucking identical old women. I'm so excited because today we have the real old lady from Christmas with the Cranks. Everyone, a warm welcome for old lady from Christmas with the Cranks. You're making him to someone. I, I can't, can't tell I don't know who I'm going too far in what direction, yeah. but to me that's what James Corden sounds like. Right. Little, little British boy. <laughs> Danny, if you could about? be any character in Christmas with the Cranks, who would you be? I would give anything to be Jamie Lee Curtis in any reality, even in like trading places. Yeah, she is the obvious answer. Yeah. I would like to be. Oh my God, it didn't even occur to me until this literal second that Jamie Lee Curtis is in trading places with Dan Aykroyd in like the 80s. And that's oh, like a classic comedy. I'm so dumb. It never even hit me that like, of course they're in Christmas with the Cranks together. Because for half a second, I was like, isn't it funny that her and... Emmett Walsh are in Knives Out together. Right. And, and it, then, no, it's funny because <laughs> it's funny because she's reteaming with a co-star from one of the most famous uh, 80s movies. Uh, anyway, sorry. If I could be anyone, the obvious answer is Jamie Lee, but I'll give you my backup, which is Enrique. Oh, he's beautiful. to walk in in the middle of all of this mm -hmm. and just... There's there's such an array of things going on once they have this Christmas party. First of all, there's this guy, Marty, going around acting like he knows everyone and no one knows who he is. He He's Santa. That's how he knows everyone. But they don't know that. Then you have, like, Dan Aykroyd and somebody else. I can't think of they who. They just whip out their guitars. We'll start playing music. And, like, Marty's been to Peru where yeah. Enrique is from and they're like talking about this. They're singing like all these weird dramatic Christmas songs that like make you want to like party but then also make you want to cry. Yeah. It, it's I mean the guy from Cheech and Chong, I don't know which one is it's a cop. Cheech, Marin. Cheech is a cop. You know that he's of Cheech and Chong, but you couldn't take a guess. I I don't know which is which. Okay, well Tommy Chong is the one on that 70s show. Yeah, and Cheech the, is the, one the uncle from Spy Kids who's yeah. not their uncle. Chong is man. That's what I thought, but I, I wasn't man. sure. But I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. Cheech is the one whose voice is just gravelly all the time. And Chong is in Zootopia. He's that. He's that guy oh, who's like, yeah. we don't believe in clothing. You know, that yeah. Guy. yeah. Yeah. That fits. Which is a weird joke because some of them don't wear pants, I feel like, in Zootopia. Did I make that up? Do they all have pants? Ah, don't blow I on don't me. Know. I only saw Zootopia but twice. That's another one. I think we talked about that. Yeah, the that's metaphor. Another one with that's the another one where the metaphor really doesn't hold up. And they're trying so hard on the racism angle in that movie. But their whole premise is that genetically people are different and that they've just evolved, which is such horseshit and sounds like such backhanded racism of like the minorities. They've evolved now as if they were animalistic at some point. So like, oh, I hate that. I the can't. The thing about Zootopia, guys, is that when I first saw Zootopia... Molly got the confused. I got the whole movie backwards because I thought that the predators were the um, like the 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 symbolism for like white people, and that the prey were like you know people of color. 
And it wasn't. It wasn't at all. I was just, I got it completely backwards because our protagonist is part of the majority. And she's actually the pro. It's so confusing, guys. I, I really, when I first saw Zootopia, I thought it was perfect. I thought it was great. And I still like Zootopia, but damn, the metaphor is so fucking okay, confusing. Yeah, right? Because Zootopia then becomes a movie about how hard it is for white people to make it. Because if if Judy Hopps is part of the majority and people are always talking down to her because she's a bunny, it's like you're you're making a movie about the myth of reverse racism and how hard it is for a white person to make it in a city with all these minorities on the police force. I was Think so, about how yeah. fucked up that is in every way. It is literally wrong from every angle. And then you go like, oh, well, it's a metaphor because she's a woman and it's hard for women to be accepted in men's spaces. But it's like, no. No, that can't point, be the, the metaphor. The point is, is that she's a small little They're bunny. prejudice against her because she is a small bunny, not because I, she is a, a, a human woman. So like, that's why I thought that the bunnies and the prey were a symbolism for BIPOC, because it opens with them being her being bullied by a fox yeah. who is a predator. Yeah. Now, Danny is using the term minority, which is relevant in this case because the only way you actually deduce that it's the opposite way is that they talk about how there's like a smaller percentage yes. of predators in Zootopia. In Zootopia, they're not people of color. They're not indigenous people. No. In it Zootopia... They are strictly referred to as 10% of the population. Which if you miss that line, which I did, it's really easy to think. That line, I believe, is during the newscast yes. where they say predators are less than 10% of the population. And then it cuts to a mother pulling her child away from a, uh, a predator on the... That sounds really bad. Pulling her child away from a carnivorous animal mm -hmm. while on the subway. Like yeah. she pulls him... Which is such an obvious like gesture of racism in the real world like you know like sweetie don't sit near that person of color like you know but it's, like in Zootopia like the metaphor is so fucked up from every angle and that's kind of what Christmas with the Cranks is yeah. where it's like is this about how we shouldn't buy into consumerism or how stop focusing on the consumerism focus yeah. on your community or the community is a cult w what is it it's so confusing if they don't are, join the Peace Corps is that the message Blair I think it is if you join the Peace Corps you're gonna come back that no I so really think the message is be prepared for every anything be because prepared. you never know who's gonna show up and be like hey I'm coming home for Christmas yeah. But yeah, back to Zootopia. I know it's not what the episode's about, but part of the confusion of that, I, I just got to say it, it should really be its own episode, but is that the bad guy is is the, the assistant to the mayor. Spoiler assistant alert. Mayor Bellwether. She is... A lamb. A, a, she's part of the prey. She's voiced and by so Jenny Slate. Her, me, her whole thing is of how like the predators are like given all this glory and the predators are so great and like there's no one who stands up for the little guy. Yeah. So... And Danny pointed out that then, like, if that was the case, they'd be making out the metaphor for a person of color to be, like, vengeful and, like, the bad guy of the yeah. film, which wouldn't be good either. Yeah. But then you're like, no, this is a movie about a, a white person. I mean, a privileged like, white person. But the metaphor doesn't make sense because she's not privileged. She is literally, like, beat up upon yeah. by the mayor. And so, like, it just doesn't make any sense. But there's the metaphor about how, like, the the predators are, like, what is it like biologically predispositioned? Yeah, to be? this this chemical that she shoots at them, which comes in like little blueberry pellets. The chemical that they use to drive the the predators crazy 
is something that quote unquote awakens their predator instincts, which is like saying if we gave crack to a white person, it would be fine. But if we give crack to a person of color, it awakens their animal instincts, which is something so racist that it is literally said in the Music Man, a musical that takes place in 1910. Yeah, that there you animal go. jungle instinct. So that, like, Christmas with the Crank says the two messages. One, <laughs> so segueing from hardcore yeah. racism. Well, it's true though, because like this is like the Zootopia one message. Is so fucked up. I is, can't stop thinking about it's it. It's one message of Zootopia is like, prey can do anything. Like you know, like don't discriminate against the the small and the weak. Like yeah. anyone can be anything. But the message is also that predators are nice and they're not mean people like it's really a message yeah. about like we all you know embrace each other's differences and Zootopia like, is a big crazy city where we all embrace each other's dif- that's me making uh, Shakira French yeah. but uh, <laughs> I love I hate that scene where it cuts to Gazelle the pop star and yeah. she goes this is a big crazy city we all embrace each other's differences and that is well, the plot. That is the only message of the I movie. I wish they had cut to her and she said, in Sex and the City, the city is like the fifth character. <laughs> it's a big crazy city. You should edit that. <laughs> <laughs> New York is the fifth character here in Zootopia. This is not Shakira's accent. I don't want to make fun of her real accent, so she's French. Um, <laughs> Hello, it is me, Shakira. So then maybe How the overall you? message, if the overall message of Zootopia is just embrace people because they're different mm-hmm. and not to judge others, maybe we can say the overall message of Christmas with the Cranks is just like, Christmas is Christmas. about being nice to yeah. others, doing good things for other people because then the neighbors help out Luther even though he's a jerk. Luther gives them the cruise even though that guy's kind of a jerk to him mm-hmm. and he's a jerk to him back. Nora We don't have to start and being nice to each Luther other. Luther do, do oh, throw this whole party for Blair, even though she's mean and leaves them. That's not true, but like let's throw that in there. Sure. <sighs> Marty comes to their Christmas party and still will be Santa, even though Tim Allen is mean to him when he's an umbrella salesman. Oh. And 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 the, she gets a ham from Marty, even though just because she invited him to the party. Santa always has to work on Christmas Eve. That guy creeps me out because he's such a non-Martin he's Short. so ugly. He's I'm the, sorry to whoever that actor is, but he's who the ass- in that film yeah. looks so creepy. He it's is the least the, endearing Santa. He's the assistant in the Muppet movie, Max, the henchman who like doesn't want to go along with the 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 frog leg guy. He like doesn't want to go along with his plan. <laughs> and he's like, listen, you crazy Muppets, I came aboard your bus to help you because my boss is mean. I know I made him into Kermit the Frog, but that's beside. I'm really bad at voices. Uh, anyway, moving on, Maul. Uh, Christmas with the Cranks has a message that is almost as muddled as Zootopia's. Not quite as much, because I don't think at any point Christmas with the Cranks advocates for racism, although there is only one black family in the I neighborhood. Say, and they steal their Christmas tree. And they and the one black family in the neighborhood leaves for Christmas, which is fine, because they have family to visit. But then what happens is Tim Allen goes, hey, um, can I have your Christmas tree? Can I have your Christmas? Can I have your Christmas tree? And then they let him go in the house. The husband does. He doesn't tell one, the wife. One might comment that that is a comment on racism in America because we are. The film takes place in a suburb in Illinois. Yeah. And um, there is only one black family in that suburb in Illinois, and they are leaving to go see their relatives on Christmas. Mm. Um, you think it's about maybe... I think it's about redlining. You think... Oh, that's, I think yeah. that's the secret plot of the film is the undertone Subtle of Subtle racial commentary. Yeah. Christmas with the cranks. Yeah. Should have called it Christmas with the... Think about it. The whole suburbs in cahoots with the police yeah. force. Just saying. I couldn't think of a Christmas with the cranks pun about racism. Christmas with the... 
I don't know. Chris, Christmas with the banks, which are prejudiced against African Americans. There people. you go. I did it. I mean, yes, they literally <laughs> use the police force as a joke. And they show how, like, they could, in this movie, the police aren't doing anything enough that they like can just go pick up white people from the airport. Well, in any yeah. case, not white, but it's for white people. Yeah. They just kind of do whatever the whatever Vic Frohmeyer asks them to. The unofficial uh, guard dog in the neighborhood. Whatever it is. Watchdog. Whatever Pit boss. Is. I think it's pit boss. Cake boss. You can't arrest me. I'm a cake boss. Pretty much. Buddy Rolestro versus Christmas. Now on TLC. I'm oh, sorry boy. I yelled that. Yeah, you were yelling, really going for it. Yeah, look at how much that spiked on the like. Yeah. We talk so quietly that in the garage band, the little wave of our audio is just kind of like little bumps. And then when I screamed, it was so much. Oh, well, I'm not going right. to lower the volume. Well, Christmas with the Cranks, great film, watch it. Uh, I can't believe it's been 16 years. Since that came out? Yeah. What a different time. I miss that time. I bet you the iPod was a great gift that year. I bet you that year an iPod with the little wheel. Oh. Yeah. Or no, maybe actually that might have even been the shuffle. I don't even know. We're two we're 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 two to three years pre iPod. I got my iPod in two thousand six. Yeah. So I honestly Luther. Got, see, I said Luthor, which is wrong because yeah, it's not Lex Luthor. Yeah, well, I always think of Luthor because in Superman the animated series they used to tell the actors to really emphasize Luthor because, like, naturally you say Lex Luthor, right, with an er, uh, and it's obviously it's spelled with an o at the end. Um, you know, it's really obvious. Oh, Everybody totally. Spells it. So yeah. knew that. Yeah, <laughs> but um, like Dana Delaney and some of the other actors from the show have talked about, like the voice director Andrea Romano would always stress Luthor, and then once you hear it on the show, you always really, really hear it. Like everybody kind of has to pause right before they say the name. Like Lois will be talking so. So Luthor, what are you working on? Like she has to emphasize it so much. It's very funny to me. Um, I went on one date with Luthor. Get over it, Smallville. <laughs> God, I, I miss um, Superman. I. When I was in a show, uh, a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. We'll just brag about it. When and I show. was in the show. Yeah, I'll brag if I want. When I was in it, I went through all of the rehearsals saying Lysander as the name. And the day before the show, they bring in um, a, a previous director we had had. And she tells me it's Lysander. And I had learned the whole script by saying Lysander. And she's like, you have to say Lysander. <laughs> and it was near fucking impossible task there's no way i did it on the day of the show but it really threw off my whole fucking rhythm which is odd because shakespeare is written in a rhythm so i probably would have been on rhythm in the beginning if i had done that but then i learned it the wrong way and it's a, it's a tough thing yeah i saw that show and i'm pretty sure that you just said it however the wrong way <laughs> i am so i'm saying i definitely said lysander. lysander that's not how you talk i just you know Lysander? I know there's one line that says something, something, Lysander lies. And I thought it was so funny to say Lysander lies. Anyway, Christmas with the Cranks, a great film. Crankless I hope you guys cranks. watch it. Tweet us about it. I don't know what. I don't have anything specific for you. unless. But do let me know who Kurt Russell reminds me of. Yeah. who Who's that other actor? We're trying... <laughs> Such a grandma question. Maybe it's Val Kilmer in the movie Tombstone where he has the Kurt Russell hairdo. Oh, God. Um, Val Kilmer, what would his sort of uh, doppelganger be? He's one of a kind. All right. Uh, <laughs> goodbye, everybody. Uh, thanks for tuning in. The pants are too tight. Let's fade out over Dan Aykroyd singing at that Christmas party. Oh, let's That's definitely so joyous, do right? that. That's um, fun. Enjoy. Happy holidays, yeah. everyone. We'll, we'll be catching you with some more holiday cheer. 
this this month ao see you around penis breath that's from (laughs) et it's not it's not christmas related wait we have to say a christmas related goodbye um Um, why is this so hard always has to work on On christmas Christmas eve Eve. the grinch himself carved the roast beast The powder's bitching. <laughs> the sun is bright and the powder's bitching. Every episode of this show from now on should end with us saying <laughs> that. That's our new catchphrase. Oh, I'm so happy now. Okay, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Merry, uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Um, Kwanzaa's not for a while, but, you know, we'll still say it. Winter solstice. Enjoy your pagan festival night. <laughs>